everybody, and welcome back to the Football Obscurity Podcast. My name is Jeff Crisco, and I'm here with my co-host, just Mike, today. Mike, we're doing a classico, just you and me. Just you and me, yeah. Uh, it's been, I think, once every, like, six months or so, we'll, we'll hit on it when it's just going back to the original roots of you and me and the podcast, and, uh, you know, it might be so today as well. So, yeah, always great well, to do these one-on-one shows with you. It, things go a little bit faster. <laughs> they do. They do. Um, so, um, Kevin Genson, the Beer Sheets guy, if you're listening to this, he's uh, he's going to join us at some point, hopefully. Uh, it seems like something came up. Uh, if he comes in, he'll join us. We're also going to have a section in here with Michael Fabiano from SI and formerly of CBS and NFL Network. So that'll be interesting. We'll be talking about the Cowboys with him. Uh, spoiler alert, Mike and I already did that earlier this week. Um, so today is the uh, NFC East division preview. Um, if you are hearing this early, you're a patron. That means that you have access to all the episodes of the um, of the. Uh, previews so far we only have one left after this week which is going to be the nfc south which will be back in the patreon it's patreon.com slash football absurdity um if you're not hearing this early we are doing a little bit of server maintenance i am going to put this up after the expo um the fantasy football expo on monday because we're getting stuff switched over i don't want the rss feeds to get messed up but if you're a patron this is going to be in your patreon feed um beer sheets are live um they're updated pretty much continuously um our draft kit is also live uh, if you're a patron it's going to be part of your three dollar a month thing if you're not a patron you can send seven dollars to footballabsurdity at gmail.com we'll get that emailed over to you that's also going to be updated on tuesday when i get back um from the expo so we do that once a week um you can check us out on our discord tiny.cc slash fbabsurdity or our twitch twitch.tv slash footballabsurdity so since the draft kit went out, Mike, we have gotten a whole mess of new patrons. So I got to take a deep breath. This is mostly people from the Discord uh, so that they could get the um, the draft kit. So Hayden McMillan, welcome in. You are now an absurdist. Zach, no last name. You are now an absurdist. I'm realizing these people might not want their last names given out. So Joe L, you are now an absurdist. Ken B, thank you. Brandon G, Muchos gracias. Austin Kayser, thank Oh, I said his name. Austin Hey. <laughs> Thank you. Andy G. Thank you. Charles Herman. I can say his name because that's Herms, baby. Uh, thank you. Jordan. Thank you. Big G. Thank you. And Gene Z. Thank you very much. So we're going to go into the pick your poison. Mike, you were going to ask this question and I have not thought about it yet. So I would like your answer first because I have not thought about this one yet. I think I have an answer. Quick question. Quick question. What qualifies for this? And and when you ask your question, why don't you give me some examples? Because there's some stuff that I'm not sure if it qualifies or not. Okay, I think the qualification of this question would be because we are talking about uh, what is your favorite fast food chain Mm -hmm. would be um, it has to be in multiple states or the fact that I would say a good 80 percent of the public, if not more, are familiar with this, the restaurant. The second qualification would be they have to have a drive through. So, okay. if there is no drive-through, then it's not a uh, fast food chain. So your Five Guys, your Chipotle's, your those are off the board. Those would be off the board. Those correct. are off the board. Okay, that that was going to be my question. Because Mike, did you did I tell you I listened to a podcast about fast food? 
<laughs> no, I, I'm not surprised that you did that you did listen to a podcast about fast food, but I did not know that you listened to a, a podcast about fast food. Yeah, it's called the Doughboys. It's fantastic, and uh, they do fast casual places like your your Chili's and your your Five Guys and your Chipotle's. But I would have to say. Um, with that criteria, because I was going to say five guys. That's why I asked. I like it's expensive. Oh, my God, is it expensive? But um, but it, it's probably my favorite fast casual. I would have to say my favorite fast food place. It's close. It's close between Carl's Jr. slash Hardee's, depending on where in the country you are, and Jack in the Box. That's I would have to say Carl's Jr. slash Hardee's. I think that's my favorite. I I, I am a big Carl's Jr. fan. That mm-hmm. that is hard to just be with you. Um, I, I you know I would probably would go Carl's Jr. myself. It's it's the the food is not too bad. I mean as far as like those foods that are there, McDonald's and jack in the box and those kind of things i do like jack in the box i do like taco bell too so um and i kind of do like mcdonald's i don't know i don't know what my favorite food is now that i'm thinking about each and single one of these guys <laughs> um i think it all depends on the situation like uh breakfast is definitely jack in the box for i would say dinner then i gotta go with carl's jr all right and um yeah remember when they put out the six dollar burger and um now and they were like it's uh now it's four four sixty. They're like, Oh, it's this, you know, oh, it's like a six dollar burger, but you can get it for like three bucks and now it's creeping closer to six dollars. And the combo is seven bucks now. So they're like, Oh, let's call it a thick burger now. <laughs> <laughs> and um, then next month it will be eight bucks and then they'll have to come up with a new name. A new name, yeah. So all right. Um yeah, the podcast I was talking about, Doughboys, check it out. Uh, they don't need my help. They're one of the biggest podcasts out there. So uh, they do not need my help. Um, what else so, do they uh, talk about? What is their, like, sort of their main thing? So there so there are two comedians um, slash actors. Um, they kind of – they have a guest on every week, and they talk about um, just random stuff for the first hour of the podcast. Second hour of the podcast, they talk about the food um and um you know they're just comedians so it's mostly it's mostly about the humor the food is secondary and they're friends with like uh jason manzoukas and paul f tompkins and um they get a lot of big names on there and uh one of the hosts did you see tomorrow war no i haven't okay one of the hosts was in tomorrow war he was also in love if you saw that on netflix um i mean it's just a funny podcast that's all is um the guy from uh man versus food has he been on there no because it's all comedians it's oh okay all comedians that are on it um and it's here let me just well actually not all comedians but they had rob Lowe on there and everybody got really mad at them so they're not gonna do that anymore. <laughs> we um, it, comedians. yeah it's all comedians and comedy writers that are usually on there um <laughs> i guess we're filibustering here let's see i'm just trying to see uh, Jason Concepcion is on there from uh, The Ringer, was on there. Andy Daly, who you might not know the name of, but you would recognize. Um, Chelsea Peretti was on there. Um, I'm just scrolling through to random names. Oh, Jason Manzoukas, I already mentioned that. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, okay. Let's, uh, oh, Nicole Byer, who most people know from Nailed It on Netflix, the host of Nailed It. 
um she was on there so it's a it's a it's a fun podcast so um you know what else is fun mike talking about the nfc east but I uh, that's fun I, you, you know, don't they, they, we're a bunch of teams that barely win like six seven games uh, you know but we'll make it fun we'll make it fun we'll, for the listeners we'll make it fun and uh since we go alphabetically the first team would be the dallas cowboys and you know it would be really fun mike Talking to a Dallas Cowboys super fan who's also huge in the fantasy space. I would love idea. to talk. I would love to talk to Michael Fabiano about this. And you know what? I think it would go a little something like this. Michael Fabiano, welcome in. Thanks for joining us. Um, for real quick, uh, how about those Yankees, huh? Dude. I am, I, and I am like the Yankee fan that people love to hate. <laughs> I was so pissed. We've had so many heartbreaking late inning losses yeah. that I get so frustrated with Chapman, with Aaron Boone. It drives me nuts. So I was kind of pissed after that last series against Boston. I'm like, come on, like three out of four games. I mean, we, we should have won uh, mm-hmm. that we ended up losing. And that was the only series that the Yankees have actually lost in a while. But it was so close to getting three out of four or all four. And I'm like, blow this team up. I'm done. I'm sick of Boone. I'm sick of <laughs> everybody. And then they Boone made – our Cashman made two really good trades getting Gallo and Rizzo. So things have turned around. We're still on the outside looking in, in terms of the postseason. But at least it's more interesting. But this damn team is getting crushed by COVID. Yeah, it's wild. And you guys were one of the high, high, high vaccinated teams beforehand. Yeah. And they were just in Florida for a series against Miami. So I'm not sure if that had anything to do with it. But like this vaccine, I mean, I got it. But mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just more confident that I won't end up in the ER and die. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to not getting it again, because like people are getting it all over the place. These aren't breakthrough cases. It's not a breakthrough. It's a breakthrough when somebody who's vaccinated actually ends up in the hospital on a ventilator. But yeah. getting when you have been vaccinated does not seem like it's very out of the ordinary. But anyways, um, got a series against I think the Royals coming up starting today. So we're we're also in a, in a stretch where we're playing a lot of crappy teams, which is good. So that'll that'll help. Yeah. yeah. Um. The uh, I'm a Giants fan, so I was eyeballing Gallo uh, at the trade deadline, and, and just so got Bryant, Bryant, yeah. Bryant. So, yeah, yeah, it, 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 I'm not upset with Bryant, but I was hoping for a big beefy bopper. But oh, well, um, so real quick, um, I mean, people know who you are, uh, you know, uh, you're at SI now, you're at CBS, NFL Network. But like uh, just real quick, like what was your fantasy journey to get you where you are now? Where did you start? Who was the player that made you fall in love with it? All that good stuff. I started at CBS at Commissioner.com before it was a big, you know, a big thing, like the, the product itself ended up doing very well. That was like the first great fantasy product at commissioner.com started over there with like Tristan Cockroft from ESPN. Uh, mm-hmm. Scott Angle was there as well. Uh, who, who's bounced around. Uh, he's been at ESPN and other places. So we had a good group and was there for five and a half, six years. And, um, then came back, uh, back to the Northeast. I was living in Florida I uh, came back to the Northeast, ended up taking a job with the NFL. Then they wanted me to move to California, which is where I've been ever since. I was with the NFL for what, like 15, 16 years. Um, uh, unfortunately, the pandemic cost me and some other people uh, mm. their positions over there. 
uh, you know, contractual situations, et cetera. It is what it is. Uh, now really thrilled, though, to be with Sports Illustrated, um, Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio, doing my own show on Westwood One. So, yeah, started, I mean, it's over 20 years, man. It's crazy. Over 20 years in the business. I'm going to be 48 tomorrow. So I'm knocking on the big 5-0 very soon. Yeah. It's crazy well, how time flies. Yeah, well, happy birthday preemptively to you. Um, and uh, so uh, when when was your first fantasy league that you ever played in? So it was in 98, I want to say, somewhere like around 98. And okay. I won the league and I was hooked. Uh, yeah. It was a league with a bunch of friends at a company called Commissioner, uh, called uh, uh, Environmental Data Resources that I worked at before I went to Commissioner.com and CBS Sportsline. And I think we played it on, on pen and paper, uh, or maybe it was Yahoo at that point, I don't remember. But yeah, I won the league, and uh, I remember that I had uh, Terrell Davis on that team, and TD's now a friend of mine, which, <laughs> you know, right, which is you know, ironic. And yes. I made a trade in that league that everyone in the league was mad about. I dealt Michael Irvin and Jerome Bettis to get Fred Taylor. And if you remember, that was Fred Taylor's rookie year where he went bananas. So my backfield was TD and Fred Taylor. Um, my my quarterback that year was Brad Johnson, who got hurt. And then you remember who came in and played for him for the Vikings that year? Randall Cunningham. Oh, okay. And he had an amazing season. And I think I had Chris Carter on that team, too. Uh, I rolled to the championship. So I've been hooked ever since. But I, I actually played basketball fantasy basketball before i played fantasy football i played basketball the the previous year and i played baseball too uh as well and then football was kind of third yeah that's i started with fantasy basketball too that's interesting so um let's get into the reason why you're here uh we're doing our nfc's previews you're going to talk about the dallas cowboys with us for a few minutes uh for that chunk of the of the episode so Let's run down real quick. Last year, they were 6-10. and 10. Everybody knows about the Dak Prescott. I don't want to talk injury. about Dallas. I'll talk about that. No, no. All right. Let's talk, about, let's talk about this. They're getting Lyle Collins back. Uh, he missed all of last year with an injury. They got Simi Fajoko in the draft. The only real loss that they had when I realized this, uh, when I was putting this together, they only lost Andy Dalton. That's only the really big fantasy-relevant guy that they lost. So they're running it back with the big boys. And um, let's start here. Um, Dak Prescott. Do you think Dak's back? He's quarterback five off the board. Where are you taking him in fantasy drafts? I've got him as the QB three. Uh, no, I'm not a homer. Uh, I just <laughs> really like Dak Prescott. Uh, I was actually at training camp last week, and he looked good. I mean, he was just doing individual working out, you know, kind of drills. He wasn't really throwing or anything like that. So, um, I mean, he looked good. He was a good spirits. Uh, I, I don't know that the, the injury is overly serious. I don't think the Cowboys believe that as well. Hopefully it's not. Uh, he should be good to go week one. And I mean, he was on pace to throw for almost 6,000 yards last year. He's got the perfect combination of bananas, good talent in the passing game and in the run game. Uh, the offensive line will be back at 100 percent and hopefully stay that way for most of the season. They lost three fifths of it last year. Mm -hmm. And the defense is maybe going to be better, I hope. But I don't think they're doing a 180. So you've got the combination of a really good offense with a lot of talent and a defense that could give up some points. That's good for Dak Prescott. Yeah. And um, just to support you're not a homer, I'm a Niners fan. I've got him as my quarterback three. So I'll, I'll, support, you I'll support you not being a homer there. So perfect. Yeah. Uh, Mike, do you have anything to add about the Dak Prescott? 
I think it's all really his mental game. If if he is it has a strong mental attitude and this injury doesn't bother him, then he's absolutely a QB three because you you know Patrick Mahomes. I don't. Then you could say either Kyler Murray or Josh Allen, those two guys. But really, Dak Prescott, as long as he can can man the field and do what he did before the injury, then I absolutely Dak Prescott get. And then if you get him as you, your Later on, because that's actually his ADP, his mm-hmm. QB five, and you get him, and he should perform as a QB three. Then all you're doing is reaping value in a big time way, because not only is he going to be throwing a lot, lot of touchdowns, and but he also can add to the running game as well. Yeah, I've got him sixth or seventh round. That that's where I've been seeing him selected in a lot of the best ball and mock drafts that I'm doing. Yeah, so that's that's a great value. Like we've we've moved off of the weight on quarterback here because of guys like Dak. And, uh, you know, that top tier and a lot of the running guys. And he's he's in that sweet sweet spot where I like to get him. So we mentioned the running game uh, real quick. So let's talk about uh, Zeke Elliott, Tony Pollard. Uh, Zeke Elliott is running back five off the board. Tony Pollard, 43. Um, There is a lot of like concern about what Elliott's workload is going to look like this year because of Tony Pollard coming on last year. He's looked good in camp. So what do you what do you think happens with Zeke in 2021 and where are you taking him? I have him third or fourth now. I moved Kamara okay. ahead of him when Michael Thomas went out because I'm thinking, I mean, who the hell else are the Saints going to give the ball to, throw the ball to? Uh, so I, I've got Zeke four. I'm not worried about last year. I remember when we were starting to do early best ball drafts and mock drafts, like he was going off the board late first round. I'm like, you guys are crazy. Like, stop. He's 26 mm-hmm. years old and he is, you know, he, he was at a major disadvantage last year. His quarterbacks were Ben DiNucci, Garrett Gilbert, and Andy Dalton. Three fifths of the offensive line was hurt. Of course, he's not going to be as good. He still finishes the RB9. He was averaging well over 20 points in the games Dak played. He, now he's pissed and he's probably motivated to play well. I'm sure he is. And in terms of Pollard, I mean, I like the, the fact that they have Pollard. I mean, just in case you get that handcuff, will he see more touches? I think he will, but not significant. And the reason why I think he will see more touches is, like, that's going to happen with every running back in the league. They have another game to play now. Mm-hmm. 17 games. Like, teams are not going to want to just destroy their running. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if Derrick Henry had a so-so first half, right? which typically Derrick Henry will have, right? Like, in the first mm-hmm. half of the season, maybe the carries aren't as significant or, or plentiful as they are in the second half because the Titans don't want to just run him into the ground in the first, you know, eight or nine games. And I think the same thing is going to be true for every feature back, like not only Henry or Zeke, whoever it might be, because teams don't want to wear that guy down. Now there's an other game, another game. So like if you're a featured back, that's what, 18 to 20 touches, you know, on the minimum side that you're going to have to that you're going to have to tote. I, I If Pollard gets, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of, you know, eight touches, 10 touches a game, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I don't think that's mm-hmm. going to I use Zeke because I think that's what's going to happen across the league. If you've got a good backup running back, uh, some of these coaches and OCs are going to want to get that guy out there a little bit more often because they do have to prepare themselves for one more game. Yeah, and that's actually a, something that I've uh, drum I've been banging all off season. And people say, "Oh, well, this guy's going to split touches." It's like everybody's going to this year. You don't understand. There, we are going to see so many more backup running backs this year than we have seen. Mm-hmm. So, Mike, you kind of predicted the Zeke Elliott uh, kind of yeah the situation. 
Um, I so before the season started, I had uh, Ezekiel Elliott as RB nine uh, and put put my hair on the line. Uh, so I uh, <laughs> I put it out there on Twitter and man, the first what was it six seven weeks? He was like the RB three or four. You were so sweating. I was sweating <laughs> hardcore. Um, luckily, as as Michael Fabian was saying that. The line had troubles, injuries. Uh, Dak Prescott went down, and after that, it, it was almost clear sailing. I think it got to almost the last week, if not the last week, where he was. He went from an RB seven to an RB eight, and then like an RB nine. And uh, I was my sa- my hair was safe, but uh, <laughs> I, was, I was looking like the idiot for quite a while. Yeah. So um. So okay. Um, so where do you have him this, uh, Mike? I lost connection for a second. So uh, where do you have Zeke going this year? I, I think RB five right now is, is a okay. good spot. I've, I've been I've been fluctuating between an RB three and an RB five. Mm-hmm. I, I think Tony Pollard's coming on. I, I I'm don't I with those fumbles that Ezekiel Elliott demonstrated last year. I don't know where that was coming from. That has me a little bit worried. If that's going to continue. The fumbles can be fixed in a moment, you know, as mm-hmm. as we saw with Tiki Barber. Tiki Barber went from fumbling almost every single game to never fumbling again. So it's it's one of those things. But w- when you have such a dominant talent that Tony Pollard is, it, it does have me a little bit worried. So I think anywhere between an RB3 and RB5 is, is, is the safe bet. Okay. All right. Sounds good. So let's go ahead. Let's talk about these wide receivers. This is... I think the biggest discussion on this team this offseason. So we've got C.D. Lamb off the board at 12, wide receiver 12, Amari Cooper, wide receiver 16, Michael Gallup, wide receiver 49. So I have two questions for you, Michael. Mm-hmm. Um, Amari versus C.D. Lamb, who do you have there? And then how much is Michael Gallup being overlooked by the community? <laughs> so first off, I had Coop ranked ahead of him until probably – I don't know, three or four weeks ago, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because, you know, the news with Cooper uh, with, with the injury, I actually saw him at camp and like he had a, a slight, slight limp. And I don't know if maybe it was only because he was coming off a of treatment. I'm not really sure. Maybe he was a little bit sore. But then when he did individuals, he was fine. So, I, I mean, I have CD ranked one spot ahead of Cooper. I, I, they both should be thousand yard wide receivers. They should be. If If all goes well and the offensive line holds up and Dak doesn't uh, suffer any sort of long-term ailment, please God no. Um, as a Cowboys fan, then mm-hmm. then I think they can both go for a grand. And I would be surprised if Gallup went for uh, eight or nine hundred. I mean, last year when you look at the target share, like he was right there with C.D. Lamb. They were they were both right around seventeen, eighteen. Uh, you know, he he gets a case of the dropsies. He mm-hmm. did have he did have some some better games with Dalton under center. But it's just hard to envision a scenario where Gallup is, you know, more than maybe an occasional wide receiver three in fantasy because the Cowboys have so many mouths to feed. Blake Jarwin's back this year. Dalton Schultz played. And Dalton Schultz had over 60 catches last year. So, you know, the, the team has a lot of mouths to feed. Uh, Gallup, I, I feel like, is going to be very motivated because I don't know that the Cowboys are are going to uh, exercise the option on him. So he'll want to go out there and prove that he's, you know, he's a guy that other teams may be wanting to look at uh in 2022 and beyond uh so I, I like him i love the offense that he's in i just don't know if the opportunities are going to be as plentiful maybe they will be but mm-hmm. still, i mean is he gonna is he gonna average more than you know 11 or 12 points per game that that might be his ceiling still pretty good not bad mm-hmm. 
But I think that might be his ceiling where, you know, with CD, you're looking at a guy, you know, who could potentially be in that, you know, 16 to 17 point per game range. Okay, perfect. Sounds good. So um, just one last question for you and then you can plug your pluggables and get you get you on with your day. So last well, I, have, year, I have a question before you. Do yes. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, with, with OK, let's let's just say Michael Gallup, who I really love in Dynasty is. Yeah, no, I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's just say just this year because of redraft, if Michael Gallup is a thing, is if he is say an our wide receiver, you know, thirty-eight forty, would that mean less work for Ezekiel Elliott? So, how are we looking at that because of the the volume going to Michael Gallup? You have to subtract away from the running game. Mm-hmm. Are, is that going to be a possibility, or do you see it almost a, a perfect pattern from last year? So in the five games that Dak played, and obviously Zeke was there and you had the trio, um, Lamb was at about 12% target share. And CD was 17-ish. And then Coop was like, you know, he was he was leading the group. I think he was like a 23 or 24, something like that. So I, I would think that would shrink down. I think maybe Lamb leaps him. But I just don't know that uh, that – you'll see Gallup get more than, you know, an 11 or 12 percent share in this offense. Because they're going to they're going to use Zeke Elliott. I mean, I, I don't again, Zeke Elliott's not going to go out there and have 360 touches or 370 touches. I don't think any running back's going to be outside of maybe like Derrick Henry. And even then, uh, you know, teams are going to want to to take a, a little bit of that load off, as we talked about a little bit earlier on. I, I think there's enough for Zeke without question to be in that top five. I just don't know if there's enough for Gallup to be a wide receiver three on a regular basis. Like, like I said, matchup-based kind of guy. If injuries occur, things are, are, are totally different. But it'd be hard for me to see him averaging, again, more than 11 or 12 points per game uh, if the offense stays uh, healthy, free of injuries, and, um, and Zeke is back there getting – I'd say Zeke's probably going to get 18 to 22 touches a game. Okay. That's that that's gonna be a lot. Um and that you won't leave a lot They're for the paying a lot of money, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. He's twenty six. He's got maybe, you know, two, three more years and then he's gonna start to decline, you know, two two or three tops. So Yeah, but yeah, they gotta Jerry uh Jerry Jones has gotta look good for giving him that contract, which means it's gonna be he a does, lot of He's never going to look good. It's never gonna <laughs> He's got to try. You can't fault the man for trying. So, all right, uh, let's talk about these tight ends real quick. So last year we had, uh, uh, there was a big case for Blake Jarwin as a sleeper. He injured, you know, he missed most of the season, got injured in week one. Dalton Schultz filled in admirably. You mentioned the 60 catches last year. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was kind of a situation where it was like a flow chart thing where it's like, if you like Blake Jarwin for fantasy, you should like Dalton Schultz. And then the the quarterback situation happened with, you know, you mentioned Ben DiNucci and those folks, Mm -hmm. but this year, is it too tight to invest in these guys for fantasy football? Like is Jar, did Schultz show enough? Do you think that it makes Jarwin a bad uh, pickup in a, you know, cause in most leagues we're only starting one tight end. Right. I, I don't think so because I mean, Blake Jarwin's basically going to be free. I mean, you're throwing a dart on him. I mean, you know, he's a, he's a late round tight end too. Like Schultz was really good last season. Don't get me wrong. Like I said, he had he had I think it was like 63 catches. He had over 600 yards, four touchdowns. You know, he was he he was he was really good. Like in terms of PPR, he was getting targeted a ton. Why? Because you know you had the Daltons and Danucci's and 
Gilbert Grapes of the world throwing the football, <laughs> right? So, uh, and by the way, Gilbert Grape, uh, who, who I affectionately call him that, uh, he, he was running with the ones without Dak. And that I'm afraid of that, man. If, if Dak ever got hurt again, the Cowboys are in trouble. Um, yeah. It, it's funny, Dave Damashek, my former colleague over at NFL Network and uh, one of my best pals uh, in the biz, he, he made a comment years and years ago, and it, it never ceases to amaze me how right he was. How many millions and hundreds of millions and billions of people are on this planet? And you can't find thir- 32 human beings good enough to play quarterback on a reliable, productive basis at the yeah. same time, right? right. I, so yeah. like, when you get back to the to the QB2s, you're like, oh, my gosh. Hopefully nobody gets hurt. Um, but uh, I, I think I think uh, you know getting back to the point. I think I think Jarwin's well worth uh, a late round look. I mean Schultz will get his, mm-hmm. uh, but I think they they also gave Jarwin a pretty decent contract for a guy who hasn't really done anything in the league. And so you know I wouldn't be surprised if he were in the fifty to sixty catch range this season. All right, perfect. Sounds good. So uh, Mike, do you have anything to add uh, to uh, the tight end situation? The only thing that I'm hoping not, I hope there's just one tight end that they're not fluctuating between. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah. And then if if that's the case, then at these guys' value, you know, dart throw value, you're going to reap the possible top 12, top Mm -hmm. eight tight end if there's only one. Um, So I don't know. I think both of them have a lot to offer. Both of them are kind of twinsy, you know, it's kind of the same. Um, And then that, of course, will kill all value for both of them but cross fingers and hopefully it's either jarwin or schultz yeah if you're drafting jarwin you're trusting that they had a plan for him last year and they just kind of copied and pasted that plan with schultz and that this year it'll be a jarwin plan and then schultz has the backup plan so all right perfect so uh michael thank you again for joining us if you want to tell the people again where they can find you um and then we'll uh, wrap it up uh, si.com slash fantasy si.com slash Fabiano um, is where my archive lives rankings articles uh, this week I'm doing a series on uh, game script and how it affected players value last season in terms of the points they average per game some interesting stuff Derrick Henry only averaged around 12 points a game in games that Tennessee lost last season in the really? wins, and he was bananas yeah, I, it, it, there, there's some really interesting stuff uh, in that data. Like Josh Jacobs went from, I think, 21 points a game in wins to like 10 in losses. Yep. So there's a lot of interesting kind of stuff in there. Just things to think about. Uh, my, my fantasy case against series is up there as well. Uh, SI.com uh, slash fantasy. It, it, it's a lot of players who people either have already established as elite or believe will potentially break out this year and why you may want to tap the brakes. And in some of those cases, like, I love the player. Like, I wrote the case against Jalen Hurts, and I really mm-hmm. like him. And then I looked at some of the stats, and I'm like, oh, I still really like him, but, <laughs> you know, like, three quarterbacks, I feel like, in the last 30 years, with a completion percentage of under 60, have scored more than 280 fantasy points. I mean, like, 280 is like a QB 12. So, I mean, if Hurts is a QB 12, then that's not bad, but mm-hmm. we kind of expect him to be better. Uh also, uh, I've got my show Fantasy Dirt on SiriusXM Fantasy Sports Radio, Monday through Friday, 8 p.m. to 10 Eastern. Uh, you can check that out with myself, Lindsey Rose, uh, Bob Harris, Mike Dempsey. Uh, we're going to be bringing in Amber Theodore Harris as well. She'll be starting off pretty soon. And then my Westwood One show, the Fantasy Football Forecast, with myself and Amber Theodore Harris is going to be airing 
uh, on Westwood One starting, uh, I believe, the week of August 20th, somewhere in that range. So make sure you check that out. So sort of all over the place. This weekend, I'm going to be in Canton for the uh, Kings Classic. Uh, so oh, that'll be fun. Cool. Yeah, I, yeah. So uh, defending the title from last year and, uh, you know, wearing my mask everywhere, I guess, because of the Delta variant. So going yeah, to have some fun with that. Yeah, I'll be I'll, yeah, I'll be in Canton this weekend, too. So. I'll, oh good. I'll cool. stop by. I'll I'll say hi. So uh, so yeah. so perfect. Sounds good. So uh, thank you again for joining us. Um, we will go ahead. We'll go back to the rest of the NFC East. Uh, Michael Fabiano. Um, I mean, I can't say enough how much I appreciate this. So yeah, uh, very much so. Thank yeah. you. Thanks My for joining pleasure, us. My pleasure. Have a good one. You, you too. too. Thank you. Oh, Mike, that that Michael Fabiano, he's a great guy, isn't he? Yeah, he's pretty cool. Uh, I got lucky being in a couple of leagues with him and then started just talk to him back and forth a little bit on Facebook. Um, but, yeah, he's a really cool dude. Yeah, sorry. It was very awkward to do that because in real life, Mike and I just sat here for about four seconds in silence. So I had a good edit point. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how shows do that. You know, they're like uh, you hear on the you know, like recordings or whatever. They're like, we'll be right back. And they only take like a four second break. <laughs> <laughs> so. All right. So Dallas Cowboys are in the books. Let's talk about the New York football giants. Uh, they are they were six and ten in 2020. Their over under is seven wins, so about the same when you factor in an extra game this year. Uh, they lost Wayne Gallman, Kevin Zeitler, Golden Tate, and Colt McCoy. They added uh, three running backs: Devontae Booker, Corey Clement, and then Gary Brightwell through the draft. They added him. Uh, they added Kadarius Tony through the draft as well. Their big free agent acquisition was Kenny Galladay, wide receiver, who was formerly of the Cowboys. I'm not the Cowboys, the Lions. Sorry, Walker. <laughs> Walker's going to get mad. I called him the Cowboys. Um, I got hard knocks on the brain, I guess. Um, even though I haven't watched it yet, I'm watching it on my flight tomorrow to to Canton. So um, Kyle Rudolph, tight end, and Mike Gladden, quarterback, is also who they added. So um, first guy up is um, Daniel Jones. We talked to uh, Joe Pisapia about him a while ago. Joe Pisapia called me crazy to see, because my guy, I was excited to see how this season goes for him, was Daniel Jones, because if he could clean up the turnovers i thought he would have a you know a good season was in the cards quarterback 31 off the board 247 overall um there's a clip going around on twitter <laughs> i do not think he's going to clean up the turnovers um we talked about a little bit mike whose fault was that clip you know i, I still think that he sort of just threw the ball i i don't i don't think he, he the play was sort of already dead and he was just it, it was an off-platform kind of throw. It, it it didn't look like he put a lot of effort into it, but you know I get it. It, it was that throw was trash. So I'm like you. I'm hoping that it was just one of those situations where, you know, uh, if you're watching baseball and then the the batter steps out and the pitcher's in mid motion, they just sort of toss the ball um, just so they don't you know hurt themselves. I, it, it sort of looked like that, but. Yeah, as you mentioned, I, I hope to God it was that, because if it wasn't, then, um, yeah, I don't think anything's been cleaned up as far as turnovers go. Yeah, and um, I don't know if you saw, I, di I didn't see it at first, but when I was taking the, uh, uh, when I was, it was pointed out to me, I didn't notice it, that there's a linebacker that just rushes freely, but because it's a, you know, red, con no contact practice, uh, he just kind of stands there next to yeah. Daniel Jones. <laughs> 
Yeah, so Daniel was, Jones would have gotten flattened if that was yeah full speed, no con, uh, all contest. Yeah, so it was a uh, a bad a busted play all around for the offense. So um, I'm not interested in Daniel Jones anymore, really. Uh, two quarterback league, it's it's I guess the best case for him is he runs a lot. Um, but I'm growing less and less excited about Daniel Jones as every day passes. Uh, it, what about you, Mike? To me, if you it, okay, so if you're looking at statistic wise, uh, you can actually make a case for Daniel Jones to be Josh Allen. They're very much similar as far as upward trajectory. It's just whether Daniel Jones can get there and be what Josh, Josh Allen was doing in second and third year and. I don't know. To me, I, I really have faith in either Daniel Jones or Tua Tagliola busting out this year. I think it's going to be one of two. I, I'm not sure which one at this point, but no, no valid reasoning, no uh, smart intellect here. It's all gut instinct. I, I just think that one of them is going to be, and I'm going back and forth on which one of those it's going to be, uh, but one of them will be sort of that that Josh Allen riser this year. Oh, I mean, if I had to pick one of them, I would pick Tua. I just don't think that Daniel Jones has it in him. Like, like I I, I don't I don't I don't know any other way to put it. Like, um, I think he's I think he's a bust. I, I it's you saw some traits here and there from from Josh Allen that you were like, okay, uh, you know, his he's got to clean up his decision making a little bit. And he's got to, you know, reel in this, that, and the other, and he could take a step forward. But it's like, it really feels like Daniel Jones would have to fundamentally change who he is as a quarterback. <laughs> and and Tua is, he's struggling in camp, but it's like they're trying. There's a whole mess of new guys there. They're trying new things. Um, I I I would have to say over those two, I would say Tua has a much better shot than Daniel Jones. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm that way too. I mean, if you're definitely looking at draft capital, that's the situation. Uh, also, Tua was very limited last year and still mm-hmm. did pretty well with with the limited playbook and limited situations that he had with the wide receivers. And you know, Jalen Waddle comes in, and but if you're looking at weapons, the Giants all around probably have better weapons than the Dolphins do. So I don't I don't know. I don't know what what direction. But, yeah, I'm, I'm leaning towards two of myself just because of draft capital and the fact that, you know, they very form, formidable with Jalen Waddle and those kind of things. Yeah. And um, we mentioned it previously with with Tua. Uh, we talked about how last year he I mean, he did OK, like he had a lot of growing pains, um, but there was he, he had trouble trusting himself. Um, and he was also not confident with the playbook yet, and uh, he wasn't confident on his hip yet. So, I mean, this tells you all you need to know about Daniel Jones, that we've fully pivoted this into talking about Tua. Um, I just, I mean, Daniel Jones, he rushes a lot, okay? Yes. He's, if you take out the 80-yard rush, he's still third in, in uh, quarterback re- rush yards per carry, um, excluding kneel downs um, since he's entered the league. So, you know, there's that. But, I mean, the man has more turnovers than touchdowns in his career so far. Like, he has 36 turnovers and 35 passing touchdowns. Like, what are we supposed to do with that? There's, I mean, Joe Pisapia put it perfectly. It kills drives. 
It lowers it's, everybody's ceiling because they're going to be standing on the sidelines because Daniel Jones fumbled the ball or threw a hideous pick. So, And it deflates, <sighs> it deflates your offense, too. Uh, you know, So you're driving down the field and you're making plays and then you throw a pick. And when you're someone that's consistently turnover prone like Daniel Jones is, whether he's fumbling the ball or throwing interceptions – and you get something good going, you you build that confidence in that offense, and then you get down to the 25-yard line and you throw an interception, and it's just like, oh my goodness, once again, you know, when it, when is this sort of this this roller coaster going to stop with this guy? Because you know, it, it just kills us each and single time that we get down to this offense, we're doing well, and then he makes a mistake. So it's it's a confidence uh, thing as well. Yeah. Um... And guys like Daniel Jones who have like trouble with their decision making, it's really one of those things where it's when you get into the red zone, that's when things start to get a little confusing and overwhelming because you, you yeah. he has problems seeing things happening, seeing things develop. And when you're in close quarters like that, you know, it, defenses are not forgiving. You know, this isn't rookie mode. Throw bad news on top of bad news. Daniel Jones in 2019 averaged 22.1 points per game. Last season, 2020, he decreased to 17.1. So he's lost five points per game from his rookie season to his sophomore year, going from a 20 rank to 24. And who knows? I mean, they the Giants are like here. We gave you Merry Christmas. You got Kenny Galladay. We gave you Kadarius Tony. Saquon Barkley's back. You have all the weapons, all the toys to do whatever you want with it. And if he doesn't do anything with it, then he's, he, I think he's gone. I mean, he's about backup somewhere. Yeah. I mean, he's running out of time. I really think he, it might, I mean, like best case scenario, he could have some change of scenery where he gets it cleaned up. But I mean, then he's on the Josh Rosen plan where he just bounces around and everybody goes, well, maybe if he clean, you know, we haven't seen him in a while. (laughs) All right. So I'm looking. So one, uh, two, three, three so far. Um, three of his interceptions were in the red zone last year. Mm three of his interceptions and then let's see about fumbles <laughs> i don't even want to see um all right, that's a darius slayton fumble it's an okay this is just so this doesn't is this is, oh this is passing place so it won't show his fumbles um but yeah um daniel jones is bad don't draft him i think that's what it comes down to so uh let's talk about the running backs here we got saquon barkley Devonte booker Corey clement uh rb6 65 and 84 respectively uh, six, two, sixteen, and two, sixty-nine off the board. So the second and third guys are essentially not being drafted, which is interesting because the big question mark around Saquon right now is when's he going to play? Right. You, you know, there's, there's, he's recovering from an ACL tear, and um, you know, Joe Judge, who we didn't even talk about the Joe Judge of this all. You know, three guys have retired in camp, um, which is not good. Um, uh, he's saying, you know, there's technically i think he said technically saquon barkley could play in the preseason i have no idea what that means do you know what that means (laughs) (laughs) it's just like what 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 what? (laughs) all these vague statements uh i mean i i don't know if that's just a new thing for coaches last year we had he has tired legs and in with the colts and carson went it's a window anywhere between two and 20 weeks, you know, 
it's just like, why are these vague statements going on? Um, you know, so it's, yeah, I don't know what that means either. Yeah, don't forget uh, Kyle Shanahan saying, I can't guarantee we'll all be alive on Sunday. Yeah, exactly. That was <laughs> another one, too. It's like, okay. <laughs> so, uh, yes. Um, Saquon Barkley. So where where do you have Saquon Barkley ranked right now? Right now, he's in my RB10. RB10, okay. Is that because of injury concerns or what? Ha- what? What? what uh, what's driving that rank? Because that's pretty far down below the consensus. A couple things. One is you mentioned injury rank, um, injury concerns, and the second thing is I don't know if he's going to be healthy uh, coming into the season. I don't know if he's going to be a week one starter, a week two starter, a week three starter. I, I don't. I think they said anywhere between one and three weeks um, that he'll play. So I don't know if it's five or I haven't heard anything. Um, I think that's decreased. though. I think it's three now, anywhere between one and three weeks. So until I really know what's going on with Barkley, you have an injury concern um, already on top of missing up to three weeks, um, if not more. So I I can't trust that. Yeah. So I, you know, I think when he plays, I, I don't think the Giants are going to let him play until he's ready to play. And um, because of that, you know, I, I redid my projections, assuming he misses two games. He's still six for me. Uh, he moved down from like when I did my projections, I assumed health. He's actually split the difference between Austin Eckler and Aaron Jones, which I didn't think could happen because they're like two points apart for me. Um, so he's six for me now. He dropped down. But that also puts Austin Eckler in my top five. Wow. <laughs> Woo! All right. Shoot. Let's go. Um, no, that's, that's not right. I got to drop him down because I do, I, the more I think about it, the more I like Aaron Jones than Austin Eckler. Um, but do I, yeah, because I think that Austin Eckler doesn't have the touchdown upside. And I think, um, I think that, uh, um, the touchdown upside of an Aaron Jones and I think Aaron Jones and Aaron Rodgers are going to do a lot this year. So let's rejigger this and, uh, make sure that, um, all right, perfect. Now Saquon Barkley's five, Aaron Jones six, and Austin Eckler seven. That worked out perfectly. Okay. All right, awesome. So um, Saquon Barkley, big question is is injury. I'm not too worried because it's Saquon Barkley. Uh, he's a freak of nature. Remember, we're all worried about Adrian P- Peterson. I kind of feel like it's the same thing where it's like he's a f- absolute specimen of a freak of nature. I think he'll start slow, and, and I don't like drafting guys um, where I start in a hole. Because, you know, injuries are such a mess to deal with anyways that it's hard to, you know, um, lean into somebody and then be like, oh, I'm also going to miss them for two weeks. So I get having him at 10. I just, you know, I, I, I tend to do my ranks as an optimist. And then, um, you know, as things disappoint me, I move guys down. So that, that's kind of the way that I do it is as guys disappoint me, um, I move them down. So, um, you know, Saquon Barkley does have a chance of slipping for me. But as of right now, I just got him at five. So right there with uh, with um, with league average. So um, if he doesn't play or like say there's a report where he's missing three weeks. OK, are you are you picking up Devonte Booker or are you going to let the Saquon Barkley owner just have him because you're not all that? Devontae interested in what he might be <laughs> bad uh, he's he's been he's bounced around uh, denver broncos didn't want him i mean if the raiders don't want you either it's like you know what what, what why do i want you and so even though he, even barkley 
you know, he's going to have a full load. I don't see Corey Clement being anything. Um, I, I, they probably will split it because I, Devontae Booker having a full load to himself is just not a good idea. So, uh, yeah, I, I'll pass. Yeah, it's it's not um, it's not a situation that I want to lean into because yeah, it's Devonte Booker. Like like take the Saquon Barkley of it out. Like it's not Saquon Barkley back there. Like it's it's Devonte Booker in a Giants offense. Like it's not exciting to me. So um, yeah, I'm I'm there. I, I'm very proud of the fantasy community for not bumping up Devonte Booker or Corey Clement. So let's talk about talk about these wide receivers real quick. We got Kenny Galladay, wide receiver 24 off the board, Sterling Shepard, 65, Kadarius Tony, 75, and Darius Slayton, 81. Uh, do you want to start with the free agent guy or the rook? Where do you want to start? Um, I guess we could start at, at the top with Kenny Galladay. All right, so Kenny Galladay, we talked about. I actually don't think we talked a lot about him this off season. Um, he was just one of those signings where we're like, "Yep, we'll see how this works." So he's already. Uh, do you know? I know he left practice. Do you have any more information about this injury, or I can look into it? Um, no, I I know he's he's banged up, but I'm not sure like the extensive extensive uh, situation for him. Yeah. So. Uh, we'll see that. That's something to monitor, especially because, um, you know, he missed most of last year with injuries. So that's something to really uh, monitor. Can, but let's see if I can find it. Yeah, Go ahead. But, I'll, I'll see the injury reports. OK, so I have him at wide receiver 18 in my projections. Um, he is one spot ahead of Brandon Cooks. But here's the thing about this. I will probably not have Kenny Galladay on any of my rosters. Because with this projection, there are guys going around him that I would rather have. I would rather have, uh, you know, my my wide receiver 16, which is Tyler Lockett. There's only a point between him and Kenny Galladay. I would rather have Chase Claypool, Brandon Cooks, uh, DJ Moore. I'm just not super interested in Kenny Galladay because we talked about how dysfunctional this offense is likely to be. And he this injury stuff has already reared its ugly head and wide receivers who change teams to the big name ones tend to struggle their first year. Um, I cannot find the study, but I saw, saw it like four or five years ago when a bunch of big name guys changed teams. But it, because of all that, I'm just not, I'm not ending up with a lot of Kenny Galladay and I'm okay with that. It's not something I want to change. It's kind of like Julio Jones. I don't have a lot of Julio Jones this year because I'm like, you know what? That's okay. I, I, I I'm just going to punt on, on not drafting this guy because, you know, I don't have 50 leagues, so I don't need to have him in one league just in case. And that's how most people play. It's like, why take Kenny Galladay, you know, when I can be happier with guys that I'm taking around him? So he's just, you know, nestled in between like your Tyler Lockett's and your Brandon Cooks. And I would rather take either of those guys. And both those guys should be on the board when Kenny Galladay is. Yeah, especially Brandon Cooks. I like Brandon Cooks a lot. He's one of those that you probably even can. He's around those guys, those ADP guys, but he's like one of them that everybody's going to jump in, all in on Kenny Galladay, which is going to push Brandon Cooks back um, back even further. So you can just wait and spend a draft pick on something else that you may need and then get Brandon Cooks later and have the same, if not better value. Uh, as far as Kenny Galladay is concerned, I, it's a grade one um, hamstring. So that's a couple of weeks. Um, and then um, I guess they noted big history of strains. So 
whatever that means. <laughs> so that means something. Um, I'm checking to see here. So I've been getting, I've been doing mock drafts. I've been getting Brandon Cooks. I got him in the seventh round here. Um, let me check this. I got him in the tenth round in this draft. Um, so you can get him much later instead of getting Kenny Galladay. Um, if you really want both, you can do that. Oh, this is not a, that's a dynasty league. That doesn't, that doesn't play into this. Um, and then in this one, oh, that's also a dynasty league. And then Scott Fishbowl. I think I have him in Scott Fishbowl. I got him in like round 11 or 12. So, um, Brandon Cooks, if you want to get Kenny Galladay, just wait and get Brandon Cooks. They're probably going to end up around the same fantasy points, and um, he's much, much cheaper. So, uh, what about these other guys? Sterling Shepard, Kadarius Tony, Darius Slayton. Do any of them interest you at all? I think they have some kind of interest with Shepard and Slayton, depending on the volume and how you know they're all both of them always deal with injuries i don't think they either one of them have had a healthy season uh i'm looking at it now and um yeah uh well shepherd had 16 games in 2018 but 10 in 2019 12 in 2020 slayton had a full set of games in 2020 but not in 2019 so it's there, if you look at 2020, both got 97 targets. One got 90, the other one got 97. Shepard with the 90, 66 receptions to 50 receptions. And I think that's pretty much what you're going to get out of these guys. Uh, Kadarius Tony, you know, where he's a rookie, so it's and he's very limited. And I don't even know if he, if he's just mentally there. They've had multiple issues with Kadarius Tony over camp causing issues and problems. And I don't know how focused he is with that. So not only do you have a rookie to deal with, you have someone who's a head case. I pass. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's fair enough. I liked Kadarius Tony coming out of the draft. We talked about it, but, um, yeah, um, I just saw this report. I was looking into it. Days it took to unplug the Suez Canal. Six. Days it took in camp for Kadarius Tony to make his first catch. Eleven. Jeez. And it was a dump off. So Kadarius oh, Tony's yeah. having some trouble. So, um, I mean, with a passing game this like this, I'm not interested in secondary pieces. Like, you think about Saquon, Galladay, and, like, Evan Ingram as primary pieces – and, um, you know, these other guys as secondary pieces, I'm not interested in these secondary pieces at all. It's not an offense that's going to – you're going to find a lot of uh, depth and production. So um, speaking of Evan Ingram, let's talk about the tight ends. Tight end 18 is Evan Ingram. Tight end 32, Kyle Rudolph, uh, 165 off the board, essentially not drafted in 10-team leagues uh, for Ingram. And uh, for Kyle Rudolph, it's 283 off the board. Um, so not drafted at all. So – Evan Ingram, what a drops last year. I believe he had, um, I want to say, 10 drops last year. Let me. One cost him the game against the Eagles, I think it was. So, yeah. So, I'm kind of willing to give him, a, you know, a pass for the drops. Um, and he had bad touchdown luck. But I don't know if that has to do with the offense that he's in being run by. Daniel Jones, and that's why he had a low number of touchdowns, you know, because that'll he only had two last year. But we already talked about the problem surrounding Daniel Jones. If that's your quarterback, you're going to have a low touchdown volume. So I'm 
Well, now <clears> you have Kyle sure. Rudolph, so well, <laughs> the touchdown I, volume is even going to decrease even more. Yeah, I'm not too worried about Kyle Rudolph. I think Kyle Rudolph is one of those. He, I think he's reached the Ronin phase of his career, which is, you know, he's been in the league for like a decade. Now he's going to start bouncing around teams for two or three years before he leaves the league entirely. I mean, yeah, Kyle Rudolph has had he had one touchdown last year, and Kirk Cousins threw what 35. So I'm not too worried about Kyle Rudolph, but but Ingram, I mean, wh- he's my tight end. I believe he's my tight end 13. Um, I'm not sure what to think about him. I need you to tell me what to think about Evan Ingram, who's my tight end 12. Maybe Ooh. I do know what to think about him. It's the blob, though, Mike. That's the it thing. is the blob. And That's, it's, it has more to do with uh, Robert Tunyon taking a step back than Evan Ingram taking a step forward in, in my projections. Yeah, uh, you know, he's a guy that is good down the seam. Uh, let's catch some passes and maybe score some touchdowns. Is he, But he's not going to be a super stud. He's not going to catch, you know, 10 touchdowns. He's not going to catch uh, more than probably 50 passes. It's it's just all the blob because they're all going to be doing the same thing over and over and over again. And mm-hmm. there's really, if you let someone else, let someone else get attached to the name because that's, what's going to end up happening. Someone's going to see Evan Ingram still out there. And they're going to, they're going to drop them and you, you, you might as well just wait and get, get, you know, John new Smith or Hooper or commit and put up the same type of numbers. Yeah, I mean they're all kind of going in the same range. You don't even you're it's not even a matter of waiting. It's just like that tier, you know, um Johnny um who's the second guy? Oh my gosh, why am I blanking? Commit? Is that who you Komet, said? Commit, yeah, yeah. Komet, um Hooper, Commit, all all those guys, Johnny Smith, they're all like all the same same player. They're yeah. they're just playing on different teams and there's no there's no reason to get attached to a name because you see Evan Ingram out there. You might as well wait. Let someone that that would be the key for you if you're drafting is in the blob is wait to see who takes Evan Ingram. And then you can go with if you're just drafting from the blob, then you can go after that and pick whoever you want, because someone's going to take Evan Ingram just because of the name is there. And they're, he's going to go a lot earlier than anybody else. Yeah, I think that might be um, what it is there is the name. And uh, that's, I think, what the, the takeaway from here is the name, uh, erase it, and he's he's just in the blob, so don't reach on him. So, all right, uh, let's go ahead. Let's talk about the Philadelphia Eagles. In 2020, they were 4, 11, and 1, 21 over under, 6.5 wins. They added Joe Flacco and Nick Mullins at quarterback, Devonta Smith at wide receiver, and Kenneth Gainwell. And running back, those second two guys were through the draft. Uh, they lost Corey Clement, Deshaun Jackson, and Nate Sudfeld. Um, Jalen Hurts, quarterback 10 off the board, 79 overall. When I did my first ranks in the offseason, I had Jalen Hurts at 10. As things have progressed and the more that I learn, he drops further, further, further. Now he's 14 for me. Um, and, um, you know... He if Tua has a good preseason game, he probably drops to 13 and Tua drops or probably drops to 15. And um, I just when I look at Jalen Hurts, I see 
your worst case scenario for Lamar Jackson? Because you talk about how not the best passer. It's just a lot of running. Like Lamar Jackson is a step above Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts was actively bad last year passing the football. It's it's just the running that's got him ranked so high for everybody. Yeah. And not only that, Lamar Jackson has a stronger arm. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a lot of people want to say, oh, well, Lamar Jackson it doesn't have the strongest arm. Well, he, he has enough. He has, I would say, close to average or slightly above average strength to his arm. Uh, he, he he connects, you know, in, in anywhere between, you know, early uh, to intermediate range. He does struggle throwing the deep ball. But he's, a, you know, he's more than just a running quarterback. Jalen Hurts is a pure running quarterback. He, mm-hmm. his, his arm is weak. Uh, he struggles getting the ball um, on accuracy. Uh, and it's it's just one of those things where I, I've, I've maintained from, from the very beginning when Carson Wentz left Philadelphia that I strongly believe that Jalen Hurts is not the starting quarterback by the end of the season. I mean, that's entirely possible. They've got your, you know, super stud uh, starter in waiting, Nick Mullins. <laughs> that's my guy. That's my guy. No, I mean, they kind of tipped their hand by adding Joe Flacco and Nick Mullins, both guys who can step in and start, both guys who stepped in and started last year. You know, this isn't like Zach Wilson, where his backups are like, you know, John Jenkins and, you know, Roger... <laughs> you know, Roger Smith or whatever, whatever the guys are, it, it's, it's a situation where they've hedged their bets with Hertz and there's, you know, smoke about the Deshaun Watson thing, which, you know, believe what you want, but you know, somebody's putting those rumors out there. And I mean, I just, I don't see it. I, it's not one of those things where, you know, like with Lamar Jackson, there was some buzz where it was like, Oh, if he could take a step forward, he could be QB one. That's not even close to being in the cards. For Jalen Hurts, his upside's like what quarterback six? Yeah, if that. I mean, it really, it's and he's going to have to rush for like twelve hundred yards for that to be the case and score, you know, ten, twelve touchdowns on the ground. Uh, that I would say that would be his ceiling. If yeah, he can do that, and I don't even know if he can do that. So yeah, he's yeah, exactly. Yeah. So one of the reasons that um. Hertz is going to have a lot of trouble this year. Is this wide, uh, wide receiver core is not great. We'll come back to the running backs, but while we're talking about the passing game, Devonta Smith, rookie, he was my my wide receiver one in the draft. I had him just above Chase, and Waddle was third. So I think he's a good talent. But I mean, Jalen Rager lost rookie year. He could bounce back. But then it's Greg Ward, wide receiver ninety six off the board. Travis Fulgham, wide receiver one hundred. Forgot to mention Devonta is thirty four off the board, and Jalen Rager is wide receiver seventy four. Wow. So Devonta Smith. Um, for the people who don't know, I'm realizing there's people who probably weren't listening to us all off season. Very skinny guy. Very, very skinny guy. Uh, I don't care. He won the Heisman Trophy while being very skinny. You cannot guard what you cannot touch. And he is extremely dynamic with and without the football. And um, I think that he will do a lot to help Jalen Hurts, but I don't think it's enough to help Jalen Hurts. He's also hurt already. Certainly doesn't right. help the case. So he's off my board. It was a razor thin thing for him to be useful. He's already got leg injuries, you know, Actually, I wouldn't say off my board. If I'm doing toolbox bench stuff and I want a guy to stash, which toolbox bench, shout out to Evan Hoovler uh, for that article. Um, and I want a guy to stash. Devonta Smith could be the wide receiver for me to stash, but 
you know, he's also the kind of guy where I look at the, if I look at this passing game and it's just completely non-functional without him, I'm not going to I'm not going to get him. I'm not I'm not going to hang on to him. So um, we'll see. We'll really see um, how that plays out. So what are you thinking um, with all of that, with with the wide receiver situation there? I think it's good and bad. It, it's, it depends on who is the guy. I mean, everybody thinks and hopes that Devontae Smith is the guy, but Jalen Rieger was someone that was supposed to be pretty good that just fell completely on its face, and that might have to do with injuries and a myriad of other things, no camp, no OTAs, all those kind of things, No, not being able to work with the quarterback, different quarterbacks coming in and out. All those things are possible, and Jalen Rager might be, you know, a, a very good receiver. We just don't know that yet. Devontae Smith does have that draft capital over Jalen Rager. I think Rager was a second-round pick. Uh, Greg Ward, he's shown some flashes here and there, but it's not very consistent. I, I would void him. And Travis Fulgham, well, we have a word for Fulgham, um, and that's because that's what he did. He's Fulgham. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, hashtag Fulgaming. Hashtag Fogelman. I do have more faith in Devontae Smith over the other three. He's the defense. um, You know, they're going to have a lot of probably times with the ball in their hands uh, because the defense isn't all that great. And then that be scored on means that the offense will have the ball more. I see Devontae Smith running short to intermediate patterns quite a bit and Jalen Hurts throwing those, you know, quick passes to Devontae Smith to watch him run. Again, it's talking about uh teammates, former teammates, Hurts and Smith were teammates in Alabama, so they're very mm-hmm. comfortable with each other and that obviously helps. So I, I, I like Devontae Smith. Now whether he's a wide receiver thirty four coming into redraft leagues, I think he's more uh, th- wide receiver 34. So I would push him back more towards the 40-something range, wide receiver 40, 41 um, area. Yeah, and uh, for again, for the uninitiated, what Fulgaming is, is last year Travis Fulgham from weeks two through five, I'm sorry, ga- his, his games five through eight, weeks five through eight, his second through fourth game, there it is, second through fifth, I don't know. I forgot how to talk, Mike. I need. I need <laughs> Let's try that again. All right. So what Travis Fulgaming is, is from weeks five through eight last year, when everybody else was hurt, Travis Fulgham averaged 10 targets per game, seven catches for 94 and a half yards. Then everybody came back. And from week 10 through week 17 last year, he averaged. Well, Mike, take a guess. How many targets do you think he averaged per game after that point? Ooh, targets. I would say Five. Three. Oy, even worse. How many catches do you think he averaged? The three targets, one? Yep, for 13 yards. <laughs> Jesus. So that's what Fulgaming is, is everybody gets hurt, so all of a sudden you're really good for fantasy, and then everybody comes back and your targets and everything just dry up. It's also the case against when people say uh, targets are earned. It's like sometimes you get targets through attrition, buddy. Um you know, I always like to bring up the case of when Jeremy Curley suddenly had over 100 targets on the 49ers. <laughs> I remember Jeremy Curley. I would not say those targets were earned. I would say there was there were no other options. Um, but um, let's talk about the tight ends. Dallas Goddard, Zacherts. Let's start with Zacherts because that's the more confusing case. Tight end 17 off the board, 156 overall. 
He was supposed to be somewhere else. He was supposed to be on the Colts. He was. He was supposed to he was supposed to be with your boys. And I do not know what happened to him or what happened with that whole plan and strategy. But um, do you have any faith in Zach Ertz bouncing back this year? I I don't see why not. Uh, I mean, he he didn't do well last year because he was injured. Mm -hmm. I don't see why this isn't his team still unless he's absolutely just either trashed because he's injured and and his age and it's just doesn't work for him anymore or he's the number one tight end on this team uh, because he's obviously more talented than Dallas Goddard is he's just older and more banged up so if he can get over those injuries and his age and he's still you know somewhat in his prime then he's the number one tight end on this team yeah I think it might be a situation where he is uh slowing down um, even though he's still talented. And it's also a situation where um, it, his targets from Carson Wentz were not good last year. The line was a mess. Um, and uh, Carson Wentz was basically running for his life and throwing it to his release valve, the guy who's had his back for years um, with Zach Ertz. So the targets were bad. Like, I still remember in multiple times in one game, I watched, you know, I'd watched a cut up because I wrote about, you know, like, what's the deal with Zach Ertz in like week three or four last year? And so many times Carson Wentz would snap the ball and he would be like falling away and just trying to get the ball away from the pass from the pass rush, you know, and um, Ertz was his, his release valve. And those counted as targets for Ertz. And they were just they're bad targets. And when things were on on script and everything, he was going to Zach Ertz, or Dallas Goddard or, you know, Travis Fulgham or Jalen Rager when they were available. So um, it's interesting. It, it, it's definitely interesting, but I don't think it's interesting enough for him to be an intriguing part of the blob for me because we talked about Jalen Hurts, very low ceiling quarterback here for this passing game. And then if you're looking at last year uh, from weeks 14 through 16, Dallas Goddard had eight points. Zach Ertz had three. And then mm-hmm. it was almost the straight shoot, uh, 8.9 to 7.9. 6.3 to 6.8 and I could see that being a situation where you want your tight end to get 10 to 12 points and Goddard can and Ertz can do that by themselves but between them they're getting those 12 points six and six or seven and eight and those mm-hmm. kind of things so if if both of them are healthy then both of them could just split the share right down the middle uh yeah I mean that that's uh that could definitely be the case um, with this. So um, Dallas Goddard, let's talk about him. A lot of people are, are I see him as sort of the top end of the blob. He's tight end eight off the board. A lot of people are saying that, you know, he's this solid play, this like upper end play, but I just, do, I don't see it. Yeah, I, I don't see it either. As long as Zach Zertz there. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if Goddard had, had that all by himself, I, I know that, uh, uh, Sirianni loves to use the tight end. I know Sirianni likes to use those short dink dunk passes, which helps Jalen Hurts quite a bit. But, well, what's going to keep Hurts from throwing to Goddard over Hurts? And what's what's going to keep him from throwing it from Hurts to Goddard? It, you know, so all depends on what the alignment. And, you, and when you're getting in alignment, you're still doing 50-50. So it, I, I, don't, I, I like Goddard if this was his – this was all by himself but i don't think Ertz is going anywhere this year yeah that's kind of how i feel about it again this is all 
a low um, low ceiling offense with it's low ceiling and it's unfocused. It's it's you know it, it like you said it could be a situation where Ertz and Goddard are just splitting it down the middle and it's it's uh it's gonna go haywire. So um, I'm not particularly interested in Goddard just because he's the top of the blob. Even though he's very, a very I think he's a talented player. I think he's a quality player. I'm just I'm, this passing game. I just don't want a lot to do with it. Um, so let's let's uh, run this back. We're done talking about the passing game. Let's talk about the running game real quick, Mike. So we got Miles Sanders running back 20 off the board, 35 overall. Kenneth Gainwell running back 60, 184 off the board. Boston Scott, 76, 254. And then on Johnson. Don't draft on Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't do it. Running back 104. So, um, Mike, I have not formed an opinion on Miles Sanders. So whatever your opinion is, I will probably just absorb. I, I'm just like punting on having an opinion on Miles Sanders this year. You know, what's interesting about Miles Sanders is that he averaged – in 2019, 13.7 points per game in 2019. And everybody saw what 2020 was, and they were just like, oh, my gosh, Miles Sanders was just, you know, horrible. And um, the offense was a mess and wasn't doing what everybody thought he was going to do with being the bell cow and those mm-hmm. kind of things. So he went from 13.7 in 2019 to 142 in 2020, he actually got better. So um, I don't know if that's going to make it more confusing. It sure did. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, he was actually a half a point better than he was in 2019. Yeah. And I think, um, I think a lot of that has to do with he, ha- he went, I oh, know he had the same number of touchdowns. What happened here? He had fewer targets, fewer rush attempts, was barely more efficient, was less efficient with his yards perception. It's like magic. It's like he just had, huh, Mike, I got nothing. <laughs> this is, this is why I said, I don't know what to think about him. I have no idea. It, I give up. And, you know, it's, it's just one of the, and then even though carry on Johnson is, is not Miles Sanders, he's, He's not too bad either. We've seen what he can do when he's healthy. It's just the dude just never can stay healthy. So uh, I don't know. I really don't know what's happening here. It's I, I think at RB20, if he's fallen to an RB20, I, I, I'm liking that. I, I would definitely pull the trigger on on that situation. Um, he was he finishes an RB22 in fantasy leagues last year. So mm-hmm. I guess yeah, RB20 is is pretty pretty right on. Yeah. And I've got him at 19, and the thing is, is he's 19 between guys that I would rather have, Miles Gaskin and David Montgomery, and guys I would rather have, Daryl Henderson and, like, Travis Etienne. He's in a range for me, like, uh, it's it's him, Mixon, Dobbins, Jacobs, Mike Davis. Those are, like, my running back eight, three, 18 through 22. That's I'm I'm kind of starting to cool on Mike Davis, not because... I don't particularly believe that anybody's going to take anything from him, but because there's more talented players available to me at that point, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, leaning talent over volume. I think Daryl Henderson's a better player than Mike Davis is. And I think that Kareem Hunt's a better player than Mike Davis is. So, um, so I don't know if you can hear my wife. She's playing with the dog. <laughs> All I hear in the other room is what are you doing? Um, uh, <laughs> she just said sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. Uh, I lost my train of thought. 
Oh, uh, but he's with like Joe Mixon. Like Joe Mixon, it's like I I'm slightly lower on him than a lot of people, but I I can see that he will probably have a good year. But it's probably just going to be a good year off of my team is what I think is going to happen with Miles Sanders. So, um, other guys in this room, I mean, Kenneth Gainwell's interesting in like if you're in what. How many how many players have to be drafted for you to consider Kenneth Gainwell? Are we talking like 16-team standard bench? Are we talking like 12-team eight-man bench? Because I think he has some intriguing PPR potential, but you know we run out of roster slots. That's the thing that fantasy analysts don't realize is that we have a limited number of roster slots. You know, So people will be like, I like this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, and this guy late. And it's like, that's too many guys. Yeah. <laughs> and for me, I think Kenneth, Gain- Kenneth Gainwell has a chance to be a pass catching back because that's what he does well. He's like Tariq Cohen if Tariq Cohen was still good. Doesn't run well between the tackles, but he's electric in space. He's If you flare him out on the goal line, he's a free touchdown. So, but at the same time, it's like, how many of those chances is he going to get? So that's kind of where I am on Kenneth Gainwell. I think he's a guy to monitor. I don't think he's a guy to draft. Yeah, I don't have him draftable either. Uh, yeah. I, I, even if Tariq Cohen was healthy and never sustained an injury, I don't have these pure PPR guys uh, draftable. The, I, I don't even know if I would have him over – I think even having him over on Johnson is kind of different too because – Carry on Johnson can catch the ball. So it's it's one of those things where I could see Carry on Johnson coming in for Miles Sanders, uh, stealing some volume there. But Kenneth Gainwell is just a pure, pure catch receiver. So if you're in half point PPR, there's really no reason for you to draft him because I don't even want to draft him in my full point PPR. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's why I was saying it's like, how deep, like, I'm thinking if I'm in like, 16 16 man league with like deep benches so we're talking like ah so let's see 16 teams and eight man benches that's a 128 guys on your bench that'll that i'll pull the trigger on a kenneth gainwell but anything shallower in, in a ppr but anything shallower than that um you know i think he'll help the offense more than he helps in fantasy even though i liked him i liked him coming out so um yeah, anything uh anything else you want to talk about with the Eagles before we get on to Washington football team? No, I, I think yeah, just keep carrying on Johnson in your back pocket if Miles Sanders something happens to Miles Sanders and then uh, the rest of the guys you can just avoid and, and as you mentioned unless you're have a deep bench. Yeah, and um I wasn't I, I realized I didn't comment on the carry on Johnson thing. If Miles Sanders gets hurt, then I do believe Carryon Johnson's the guy to have there. Boston Scott, Kenneth Gainwell are if if you know Boston Scott's game, you basically know what Kenneth Gainwell does. Doesn't run yeah, the ball between the much. tackles very well. Catches the ball extremely well. Um, I think Kenneth Gainwell's shiftier than Boston Scott, but it's like neither one of those guys are RB ones. So if you're you know if uh, if something happens to Sanders, then it's Carryon Johnson. But if something happens to Sanders, they're equally likely to pull. Todd Gurley or Lev Bell off the street, too. Don't forget those guys are still floating out there. How bad is Lev Bell when they've already brought in uh, Devontae Freeman? And I think I can't remember somebody else as a running back onto the team and and ignored Le'Veon Bell. So this is what I think happened with Le'Veon Bell. And this is this is conspiracy theory time. Um, How beloved in the NFL is Andy Reid? 
Oh, yeah, he's like a god. He's like a god in the NFL. And Le'Veon Bell, this offseason, talked a bunch of you-know-what about Andy Reid. Right. And so if you're if you're a personnel, you know, if you're making personnel decisions and you're like, who does it? Like, literally, nobody doesn't love Andy Reid. <laughs> like, everybody loves Andy Reid. He's just, you know, uh, he beat the Niners in the Super Bowl. And I was still like, you know what? I'm glad Andy Reid got a title. You know, it's like, right. it's it like everybody loves Andy Reid. And for Lev Bell to come out and say, you know what? Like, just talk a bunch of trash about Andy Reid. I think personal decision makers around the league are like, I, no. Because if he's going to talk trash about Andy Reid, who everybody who's ever touched a football loves Andy Reid. Like, what is he going to say about us when he leaves? What is he going to say about our coach, our quarterback, our players when he's there? Yeah. So I think he talked himself out of a job. I think that's what happened. He's not, he's not, well, I was going to say capital L, capital B, but there's capital L, capital V, capital B, Le'Veon Bell anymore. He's not that guy anymore. He's just not. He's, he's, he's just okay at this point. And, you know, if you're going to, it's one of the few times where I would say, yeah, your mouth costs you a roster spot and it's probably justified, you know, because, um, oh, who is it? The guy who used to, he does a bunch of ESPN, Ross Tucker football podcast. I uh, used to be with the Packers, uh, uh, Andrew Brandt. He's, he talks about the level of BS that a team will endure is directly proportional to how talented the player is. And Le'Veon Bell has not reached that. Like Le'Veon Bell has dropped below that threshold. That makes he's, sense. He's not worth it anymore. So, um, so yeah, uh, probably would be Todd Gurley in that case. Cause Todd Gurley has been nothing but professional, you know, uh, he's just not very good anymore. Cause his arthritis has taken him away, but like the Rams cut him and he's like, you know what? Fine. Falcons cut him. He's like, you know what? All right, fine. I'm just out here working out, waiting for my opportunity. He's a professional. If something hurts. So if something happens to a Miles Sanders, it's going to be Todd Gurley before it's Lev Bell. Because Lev Bell, I think, talked himself out of the league. I think he's done. I think he's. I think it's over with. <laughs> so, um, and, all right. and you're not. You're not too wrong there. Uh, yeah. That was, and it was just so unfounded too. It was just like, what are you? Where is yeah. this coming from? It's Andy Reid, and I yeah. feel like this is topical because it's the Eagles. <laughs> you know, it's it very much topical because <laughs> it's the Eagles. <laughs> Yeah, it's like it's Andy Reid. You're going to talk yourself out. You, you, he talked himself out of the league. If he just kept his mouth shut about his time with Andy Reid or he said something like, you know what? It's just, you know, they had a system there. I came in halfway through the year. You know, things didn't work out, you know, which is a completely fair assessment. You know, so many things in the NFL are like they're just mismatches. That's why you see guys go from one team to another and then suddenly they're stars. It's like, yeah, you're just a mismatch for the system or for what they were trying to do or, you know. You know, you're really good at this route that this quarterback didn't look, you know, didn't look there on plays and this new quarterback does. Or, you know, the you, the, the blocking scheme is the easy one. And it's just like Lev Bell just talked himself out of the league. Sorry. So uh, speaking of guys that should be out of the league, let's talk about the Washington football team. And the guy that should be out of the league is Dan Snyder. Get him out. He sucks. Yes. Well, how does he still have a job? I don't oh. know. But, you know, there was people who were like Jed York and Dan Snyder. They put him on the same tier. And Jed York, all he did was have a personnel, a personal conflict with Jim Harbaugh. That's all he did. Dan Snyder does like sexual assault cover ups and, you know, sells people like five year old uh, peanuts and all this nonsense. Get him out. Get Dan Snyder out. I hate him. I hate him so bad. Um, but let's talk about his football team, the football team. 
Uh, best name in sports. <laughs> 2020, <laughs> they were division winners at seven and nine. Uh, 2021, they have an eight and a half win over under. Uh, they didn't change a whole lot, but what they did change was kind of impactful. They swapped out their quarterback, Alex Smith, um, who I almost said was on his last leg, but he came back from his last oh. leg. Yeah, completely unintended. Uh, good for I don't know if you saw this, Mike. He's going to be on ESPN now. I'm excited for that. Um, he's a smart he's a smart football guy, um, Alex Smith. So I think he'll be helpful. We'll see how good of a, of a commentator he is. Um, replaced him with Ryan Fitzpatrick. They added three wide receivers, uh, Curtis Samuel, Adam Humphreys, and then Diami Brown, Diami Brown, who is a rookie wide receiver out of UNC, right? Mm, no, I don't think so. Am he I is wrong? a rookie wide receiver. UNC. Yes, just, UNC. North oh, Carolina. you nailed it. Good job. You, yeah, so he's out of UNC because I remember watching him block for the two, uh, Michael Carter and Javante Williams. Uh-huh. So that's why I remember he was UNC. Um, and then they also added Adam Humphreys. Um, so uh, quarterback here, Ryan Fitzpatrick, quarterback 2158 overall. Tyler Heineke, which is – I put him in the show sheet because Kevin, who um, – uh, couldn't make it tonight. Uh, we did a live stream on Twitch, um, and he's a Washington football team fan. And uh, he mentioned uh, something that made a lot of sense that's starting to make the rounds too. Is in a two quarterback league, you can start Tyler or you can stash Taylor Heineke because Ryan Fitzpatrick's 38 years old <laughs> and he plays like he's 22. You know, and and we saw last time we saw Heineke was in the playoffs and he was, you know, he can run a little bit. He could throw a little bit. Um, You know, he would be proficient. I I think if he got a shot, he would be like quarterback like 20. I don't think he would be, you know, this huge guy. But, you know, in a two quarterback league, that's who you need to stash. So um, let's start with Ryan Fitzpatrick. You when we did our sleepers and we started doing things, you loved Ryan Fitzpatrick, right? I did. I still do. Okay, I was going to ask, has that changed for you at all? No, not at all. Okay, so quarterback 20 off the board. Where would you take Ryan Fitzpatrick? I love Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, <laughs> I, I really do. Uh, let's see where I have him right now. I have Fitzpatrick. Where do I have Fitzpatrick? Uh, I, I named him Fitzgerald, so maybe the love isn't all that. <laughs> I did. So that's – I'm laughing because I did um, – I was writing, I wrote about him and I called him Fitz Pad- Fitz Magic every single time because it was just like in my brain. And then I was trying to find, because when I do these like 32 team things, I do them in one show sheet and I was trying to find the Fitzpatrick thing. And I was like, so I did control F Fitzpatrick and I was like, why can I not find Fitzpatrick? Oh my goodness. Because <laughs> I called him Fitz Magic literally Fitz every Fitz single Magic. time. <laughs> yeah. So, oh. uh, so where do you have him ranked? Uh, actually I'm 21. Right 21. Now. So you're low on this guy hates Ryan Fitzpatrick. I, I hate Ryan Fitzpatrick. It's a love hate relationship. And that's the, how Ryan, having Ryan Fitzpatrick on your roster works. Pretty much. Especially if you're in a league that count for interceptions. If, if you're not in a league that counts for interceptions, then you might as well boost him up at least six, seven spots. Uh, because I, I think he can definitely be a QB 12, if not, it depends on how much they run the ball, too. So if that's the thing is how, how much you're going to run the ball, how much you're going to pass the ball. And if your team, if your league consists of taking away interceptions or if it doesn't can take away interceptions, all that factors. I I honestly believe he can be anywhere between a QB 10 and a QB 20, depending on 
how those factors sort of just uh, massage out. Yeah. So that that's it's almost like the there's a quarterback blob. Now, hear me out. It's 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 almost it, it's almost a blob. It's not as big as a blob. So I did I did a, a tiers article that's coming out uh, this weekend um, where I go through and I go through ADP tiers. And I noticed there's this chunk of guys who's like from there's like Tua, Big Ben, Matt Ryan, Kirk Cousins, Baker Mayfield, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Derek Carr, Trevor Lawrence. And it's all this like quarterback, like 15 to like 22. And they're all kind of jumbled together. And, you know, you have stuff in there like Tua could be a top 10 guy. Derek Carr was quarterback 12 last year. I think was it yep. you pointed that out, Mike. It was me. Yes. Yeah. Derek Carr was quarterback 12 last year. Matt Ryan. I mean, if Kyle Pitts is what everybody on fancy Twitter thinks he should be, then Matt Ryan has a case to be a back end quarterback one. Kirk Cousins threw 35 touchdowns last year. Him and um, Russell Wilson are the only guys to throw 30 touchdowns each of the last three seasons. I think it is. It's like there's a case for all these guys to be a quarterback one. But in a one quarterback league, you're not drafting any of them unless you're drafting them with your very last pick as your second quarterback. You know, but what I think the real value with these guys are is two quarterback leagues. Yeah. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick quarterback 20 off the board is a steal in a two quarterback league, because as long as he's starting, especially if you don't get negative points for turnovers or for interceptions, he's going to be a boon for your fantasy points because he's got so many weapons and he loves to run and he loves to sling like it's it's I think it's going to be a boon for fantasy managers to have Ryan Fitzpatrick um, in a two quarterback league. For sure. I, I, I definitely. And you, with the weapons he has around him, it's probably the best situation he's been in. Uh, and, and if he's performing well, like as he did in Miami and in the certain times when he has with different teams, when he's not, you know, fumbling it around and doing those things where he's gone from, you know, fits magic to no magic at all. It, with those weapons, he, he can definitely be supported. Yeah. So um, I'm trying to find information because as we record this, the Washington football team uh, and New England Patriots game is on. But um, it's just people gibbering on Twitter about it. So I don't know anything. So let's talk about this running game real quick. So we got uh, Antonio Gibson running back 11 off the board. Uh, J.D. McKissick running back 48. Jonathan Williams is the only one with an ADP. But if you think of a washed running back, he is probably in Washington. Because their depth chart is these three guys, Lamar Miller and Peyton Barber. Wow. <laughs> Do you remember Jonathan? This is the Jonathan Williams from a few years ago. Was like he, uh, Buffalo? Yeah, Buffalo. This is he the was, Jonathan he, Williams. He was supposed to be something. Uh, I think he had a couple of good games in no. 2000 and whatever it was, 20, whatever, 18, 17, whatever it was. And then came into camp and was never heard of again. Yeah, I think, yeah, didn't he? Yeah, I think he got cut in camp. He's been on, oh boy. So, Mike, check this out. 2016, Buffalo. 2017, not in the league. 2018, New Orleans. 2019, Indy. 2020, Detroit. 2021, Washington. Wow. That's that's not what you're looking for from for as a running back for stability. But let's talk about guys who actually matter. Let's talk about Antonio Gibson and J.D. McKissick. Um, where do you have Antonio Gibson? Let's start there. Yeah, I, I, I'm also a fan of Antonio Gibson, and I have him at RB9. 
Okay, so that's right about where I have him. I believe I have him at RB10. Yeah, I have him at RB10. So we're in the same ballpark there. So um, correct me. So I think we're on the same page here. So last year, Antonio Gibson got 70 targets. J.D. McKissick got 110. Yeah. That flips. Right? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. Got, that's got to flip this year. And I don't I don't even know if, if that many targets either is going to be in existence come come with Fitzpatrick just because the quarterbacks that were taking the taking the snaps were dink dunk quarterbacks. And that's not Ryan Fitzpatrick. So I those targets, those total targets between those two are going to evaporate regardless of the situation. Yeah. And I wrote the, the pass catching running backs article that I was talking about. Uh, go if you are a JD McKissick believer and Walker, I hope you're listening because I'm saying this directly to you. Go look at his game logs with and without Antonio Gibson and go look at his game logs with Alex Smith. With Alex Smith, he had 29 targets in two games. Jeez. Yeah. After Antonio Gibson hurt his toe, he had like 40 targets in five games. And other than that, it's like nothing. His other 40 targets were spread across the remaining 10 games. So it's four targets a game. It's not bad. Also, you mentioned perfect transition here. They don't dink and dunk. They being sorry. Ryan Fitzpatrick doesn't dink and dunk. I looked it up. So since since 2015, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick has played in. um, Hold on. Let me get the exact numbers here. It's about 68 games. And in those 68 games, uh, running backs averaged four and a half targets. Mm. So, uh, and I pulled this off of Dynasty League Football. So, um, it's one of those things. Yeah, since 2015, 68 games, uh, 5.4 targets per game. Sorry, I got those numbers backwards. But that's going to be split between J.D. McKissick and um, Antonio Gibson. And Gibson's got to get the lion's share. He's the more yeah. talented guy. He's yeah. doing the hurry ups in in preseason in 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 you know in practice. You know, if if I divide these up, I'd say it's four targets per game to Gibson and one and a half to um McGiss- McKissick. I almost called him Mick Gibson, which doesn't help anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not drafting JD McKissick, and I'm a big pass catching running back guy this year. That's kind of where I stand. Yeah, I I have McKissick a little bit higher than what they have here on the ADP. I have him at RB42. They have him as an RB48. I, I'm agreeing with you. I There's just not enough to go around. It's, it's, and it's not like Antonio Gibson can't catch the ball. Now, if Antonio Gibson was someone that was a Frank Orr or someone to that effect where he's not catching passes, then you can make a case like they can make a case for Naheem Hines in Indianapolis where mm-hmm. – Jonathan Taylor is capable, but you rather not have the ball go into Jonathan Taylor's hands. You'd rather have it go into Naeem Hines' hands. Well, Gibson is Naeem Hines in himself. Mm-hmm. So why would you dump the ball to McKissick when you can dump it off to, you know, a Gibson? And they're, they're both almost equal. Now, McKissick is a little bit better at catching the ball, but you're not you're not making any difference there. And so... McKissick is good for Gibson taking a breather and those kind of things, and he'll catch some passes, but he, he's just going to be non-relevant. He's going to go back to where he came from 
before he exploded on the scene in 2020, he's he's going to disappear. And yeah. why why do I want to draft a guy that's going to disappear? Yeah, I mean, the question with Gibson last year was, can he run? It wasn't, can he catch? It was, can he run? Everybody acknowledged. Exactly. Everybody acknowledged he's a good pass catcher. So to take targets from Antonio Gibson and get to give them to J.D. McKissick does not make sense now that he's fully actualized as a running back. It's like, do you know what reminds me of on a lesser scale? When the Saints signed Ty Montgomery a couple years ago and people were like, what is this going to do to Alvin Kamara's targets? Right. Nothing. (laughs) It's 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 that same thing where it's like it's a literal decision that coaches have to make. Am I going to give throw the ball to a less talented pass catcher in the name of parody? And I'm looking at my background, Mike. It looks like my arms coming out of uh, uh, Miles Gaskins Gaskins, uh, jersey. (laughs) Um, um, But with Gibson, it's like everybody knows he can catch the ball. And the question was, can he run the ball? And he answered that question fairly well last year. You know, he was he was a good running back. You know, it took him some time to get to get going a little bit. But, you know, he ended the year at four, seven yards per carry. So not a lot, you know, to 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 poo poo there. So I like Antonio Gibson this year. If you want to have a case against Antonio Gibson, a lot of touchdowns last year, 11 touchdowns yeah. in his rookie year. There is a there is a chance that that comes down yeah. this year, um, especially because it looks like he scored eight of them in a five game span. So, um, you know, he, and and four of them were against Dallas in two separate games. So that could be the case against him. Luckily, he gets to play Dallas again. So we both like Antonio Gibson. I think he's a great pick. Um, do you have Jonathan? This is one. This is this is a question I'm seeing a lot. So I'll ask you because you're a Colts fan. Jonathan Taylor or Antonio Gibson will say half PPR. Right now, I think I have Taylor just above Gibson. So let's see here. I have Jonathan Taylor at. Well, I have him pretty low actually. So I do have Gibson. I have Gibson, like I said, at nine. I have. Jonathan Taylor at 17 right now. Wait, did you say you have Jonathan Taylor at 17? I do. At running back? Yes. Breaking news. <laughs> what happened there? Is it the Quinton Nelson and, and Carson Wentz injuries? Yeah, I, I need to move that up because it's looking much better than it was. But, yeah, I didn't know how long they were going to be out. It looked like six, seven weeks they could be out with, with Wentz and, and uh, Quinton Nelson. and. Taylor's production came right behind Quentin Nelson in that mm-hmm. gap. So if that gap is going to be already plugged um, or because you, you there's nobody, I don't care who you are, at guard that's going to be Quentin Nelson and opening up holes for you. And on top of that, it's the fact that they're going to stack the boxes because I'm sorry, I don't, I don't care if you're Sam Mellinger or if you're, um, what's his name? You're, you know, Jacob, Jacob Eason, Jacob Eason. No one's going to care you throwing the ball. So they're going to put, you know, eight, nine players in the box. So not only do you have the missing piece, you're off in the guard, but now you have to face 10, 10, 10 players. So it, <laughs> I'm like, yeah. okay, well, that's a bad situation for Jonathan Taylor. Um, I'm going to move him up. But yeah, that was right after that Quentin Nelson is. Yeah, and it's funny you mentioned that because we were talking about Quentin Nelson in the Discord, um, you know, what it would do for Jonathan Taylor. And I pulled up on um, 
uh, a chart that's like you can literally see his impact on the offensive line because uh, off left tackle or between left tackle and left guard, 6.1 and between left guard and center, 4.5 and then between center and right guard, 3.2 yards per carry. It's like you can literally see his impact on the on the offensive line. So, um, I mean, I get it. And um, yeah, and I and and while we're talking about this, um, I do think you know because like I said, I did I did the pass catching running backs article this this today. Um, I finished it today. Um, there's very interesting thing in there about a late round pass catching uh, running backs, how much value they return. So keep that in mind. Um, getting Naheem Hines the football is the perfect way to spell Jonathan Taylor. Right. Because you can put them both out there on the field at the same time. JT could just be a, a decoy and Naheem Hines could be getting the targets there um, because he's very good at that. So it's it's the perfect way, you know, just keep. Um, keep unnecessary hits off of off of Jonathan Taylor. So, um, all right, let's talk about these wide receivers, Mike. How's that sound? Cool. All right, so I am stalling because I have to get back to the Google Doc because we went so many different places with that. <laughs> I had like six windows open. All right, so wide receivers, uh, Terry McLaurin, four, uh, 10 off the board, 31 overall. Curtis Samuel, 42 off the board, 113 overall. Um, and then these other guys are after pick 100, uh, between 100, I'm sorry, pick after pick 300 wide receiver 100. So they're pretty much probably going to be irrelevant except for deep sleepers, Adam Humphreys, Diami Brown, Antonio Gandy, Golden, and Cam Sims out of four, those four guys, Mike, I would say we can just forget the names, Adam Humphreys, Antonio Gandy, Golden, and Cam Sims right off the bat. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's poor Cam Sims too, because I, I kind of liked the way he was playing last he, year. But he, he won the battle of the Sims and he gets replaced for his Sims is and he gets replaced for his efforts. Yes. Yes. Uh, I guess Washington just didn't have that in or saw whatever. So, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. All those three, three of those guys. I don't like Diami Brown either, but uh, yeah, you, Humphreys and Golden and Sims are not relevant. Yeah. So uh, Diami Brown, um, I mean, this my my thing about Tommy Brown, and we talked about this um, when we were talking about the draft, is my favorite trait of his is that he loves to block. Like, that's not what you want out of fantasy football. No. <laughs> that's not what you're looking for for fantasy football. When the number one thing that, that jumps off the board is this guy is like a bulldog when he's doing run blocking. I think he's there more to help the running game than he is there to help uh, the passing game. Um, they used a fifth round pick on him. People are using uh, a lot of like camp reports and, 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 oh, you know, splits with the ones and whatever to, to try to make a case for Diami Brown. And I can cut that short right here. 1.8% of running or wide receivers taken after round three finish top 36 in their rookie year. If you are taking Diami Brown, you are betting on a 1 in 50 chance. The only guy that I would bet on this year for that is Amon Ross St. Brown. Yeah. Not Diami Brown. No. So you can you can take your Diami Brown sleepers, and I'm glad you mentioned that because he's a name that people are going to hear. You can disregard it. Not interested in Diami Brown. At all. 
Yeah, I mean, plus he can't catch. And I mean, if you if anybody goes and just watch Diami Brown and watch a full game of Diami Brown, the guy drops everything. Uh, simple to hard passes, he just cannot catch the ball. But he is a streak of lightning down the field, and he he is aggressive during his blocks, and you want to see that. But it's you know none of that is like relevant towards the fantasy football universe that we're in. So yeah, he's he's. He's a small MVS is what he is. Yeah, I would say that's probably a good, yeah. Someone drops a ball, goes deep, and those kind of things. Yeah, MVS is a good comparison. Yeah, because he's a few inches shorter and a few pounds lighter than 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 uh, him. So then um, MVS. Let's talk about the two guys in the matter, Curtis Samuel and Terry McLaurin. Do you want to start high or do you want to start low? Do you want to start with Samuel or McLaurin? Let's go with Samuel. Curtis Samuel. All right. So Curtis Samuel reunited with Ron Rivera, who kind of was used him as a as a jack of all trades in Carolina a little bit. Talented guy. I think he got screwed in 2019 by the quarterbacks. Bounced back a little bit last year. Wide receiver 48 off the board. But for fantasy in your standard 12 team, six or seven bench league, I kind of see Curtis Samuel as that guy that doesn't do much more than be a bye week fill in. I think he'll be good all year. He'll be proficient all year, but I don't think he's going to be a guy you have to have on your roster. How do you see? How do you see Curtis Samuel? Yeah, it's it's very interesting because what he was in 2019 comparable to what he was in 2020. So in 2019, he finished as the wide receiver 36, and in 2020, he finished as a wide receiver 23. But if you look at the targets, he actually had eight more targets in 2019 than he did in 2020, but he had 23 more receptions in 2020, and that's what really made the difference. So I don't know if they decided that they were going to uh, use him differently, maybe in short, shorter range, because, you know, you have Teddy Bridgewater in Carolina, and he's not going to be throwing bombs out there by any means. And he also scored more more touchdowns in 2019 as well. So it's it's how are they going to use Curtis Samuel is if he's going to be someone with that's going to stress the field. And I don't know why that's going to be the case when you have Terry McLaurin there doing that, or if he's going to be the intermediate guy. Now, if he's going to be more of the short to intermediate guy, then you're looking at sort of like a wide receiver 25 to 30. Uh, and I would drop down uh, Terry McLaurin a little bit, uh, I am a little bit worried about McLaurin's rankings, 29 in as a rookie and then 19 last year. So he's, it's just one of those things too, where it's, okay, well, he doesn't mesh well with the quarterback. So you can sort of make a, a reasoning why Terry McLaurin isn't being a top 12 wide receiver, but with Fitzpatrick, that's going to change and you hope it's going to change because if it doesn't, then you're looking at him someone who's who's great athletic skills but maybe just doesn't translate to the football field yeah i think that that's that's pretty much exactly it it's it's a lot of the problem like i like curtis samuel as a player i think he's a talented player i just think that the way that they're going to use curtis samuel is going to hem him in a lot and um i have curtis samuel's wide receiver 44 and um i just wanted to get that in before we talked about i want to talk about terry mclaurin you you actually put it very perfectly you're like he was wide receiver 29 then he was wide receiver 19 fantasy twitter is ginning themselves up to him being like wide receiver seven 
I have him at 15. I think we have to be a little bit more rational, rational with Terry McLaurin here because, yes, Ryan Fitzpatrick loves to lock on to one guy and just absolutely sling the ball. He made Devontae Parker a wide receiver one, which is like the argument for Terry McLaurin. But if that's your argument for somebody, I think that's kind of a weak argument. Because if you look at, at Ryan Fitzpatrick on those Dolphins, who is he throwing to? Devontae Parker and Mike Kosicki, and that was it. Yep. Who's he throwing to on Washington football team? Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, Antonio Gibson, J.D. McKissick, Logan Thomas, uh, Diami Brown will get his targets. There are so many people there that, you know, the, the Devontae Parker argument just doesn't work. It doesn't hold water for me. I think Terry McLaurin's really, really, really good. I think he's a top-end uh, wide receiver, too, but a lot of people have him as a solid wide receiver one, and I think that's where the problem lies. And in that season, the Devontae Parker season, Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, Devontae Parker finished as a wide receiver 11. So if you take that example at wide receiver 11 and then throw in all those other options with Curtis Samuel and Gibson and McKissick and Thomas, you're gonna he's going to fall at least three or four spots. So I think at wide receiver 11, fall three or four spots, you have him at wide receiver 15. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. So if you get him at a value, I would definitely um, definitely I would definitely get Terry McLaurin. I'm not saying don't draft Terry McLaurin. I'm saying maybe pump the brakes a little bit on him because he's not in the same tier as these other guys. You know, people talk about Terry McLaurin like he's he's in this like Justin Jefferson, DK Metcalf tier. Like he's really good, but that's another tier of player like I'm I'm. Sorry to all the Terry McLaurin fans out there. He's just not <laughs> he's just not in that tier of player. He's still really, really, really good. I was talking to Herms about this, about um, something really quick. And before we talk about Logan Thomas, I want to get your impression on it. Um, fantasy Twitter has this thing, and fantasy analysts in general have this thing where it's like, you can't just have somebody who's just like a wide receiver, too. Like, you can't be excited about a wide receiver, too. Like, I think Terry McLaurin is going to be a very good wide receiver, too. But because I don't think he's going to be wide receiver seven or whatever, it's like I'm down on Terry McLaurin, but I'm not. I'm just not as high as everybody else. But if you don't like because uh, Herms loves Ronald Jones and we were talking about it, he's like, no, I love Ronald Jones. like running back like 30 or whatever, because he's going to be running back like 24. He's a good value. Right. But unless you're going to absolutely smash, we're just not interested in him. And people tend to, mm. you know get over their skis because personally I think it's it's best ball brain poisoning a little bit where you know you're taking swing from your heels picks at every pick instead of guys that'll just be good for you so um well and, and it's I mean just you could just say the mindset uh you just look at Twitter itself and watch people get excited over Dayami Brown because he ran 60 yards and caught the ball and looked exciting doing it and it's like oh my god he's the greatest wide receiver ever yeah he caught the ball 60 yards downfield so that must mean he's number one. And it's all about that brain candy, you know, that instant brain candy where you, you see an instance and then that guy must be the best wide receiver ever to play the game because he made a good play on the football field in a vanilla defense. Yeah. And it's 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 um yeah, it's it's just everything's gotta be the next big thing. And um I I've talked about, you know, best ball brain poisoning on Twitter for years where um, we're, we're looking to, if, if we're not like 
seven and zero and in first place after the first seven weeks, we're just gonna ignore that league because we have like fifty leagues, you know. <laughs> so that's that's <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know it's true. Um, oh hell yeah, I know. Yeah. I got fifty leagues, and I tell you, I do it every year. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, we want those guys that just kick the door down out of the gate. But most of the people who listen to us, Mike, are, you know, they're not playing in all these leagues. You know, 10 leagues is a lot for them. And um, I don't even know how many leagues I have this year. I realize I have so many leagues now. I think I have 11 or 12 leagues and I'm probably adding more. So, um, yeah, it's just one of those things where, like, yes, Terry McLaurin's is going to be a solid top end wide receiver, too. And that's fine. That's value. It's not value if you if you get, you know, if you're with a fantasy Twitter drafter who takes him at wide receiver seven. So if that happens, let him go. Don't get too upset. Be excited. Uh, That's be what excited. I <laughs> yeah, because another guy fell to you. That's right. That's like I see I see people and I'm not going to name names in our discord who are like, oh, my God, this person reached on that guy. I want to take that guy in round four, but he took him in round two. And I'm, it's like, yeah, that means a better player is falling to you in round two. Because exactly. a round four pick went early. You want to you want to get excited when those things happen. So um, Logan Thomas, tight end nine, number 90 off the board. I have zero interest. Well, I have a little bit of interest. Just, I mean, here again, he's a blob dude. But I, I do like Ryan Fitzpatrick. He does target his tight ends. And Logan Thomas plays that position. Outside of that, it's like whatever. Um, he's probably going to be one of those guys that will go a lot earlier than what he would put on the field because of his name. Um, mm-hmm. But again, like a lot of a lot of drafts that I've been in so far, he he really hasn't either. So um, we'll see what happens. I, I do like him above like uh, a Tanyan um, and those kind of things. But yeah, I think tight end nine, 10, 11, whatever it's, it's all the same. I think, so I did, I was playing around today with the, um, the fantasy pros uh, mock draft simulator and um, Logan Thomas fell to me in like the 13th round. And I had, um, it was my tight end. It doesn't matter. One of the upper, upper blob guys. I want to say Noah Fant maybe. And um, I was like, you know what? I really like Logan Thomas here, you know, in like round like 13. But it's it's, you know, this pick 90 that really gets me because I just, you know, I mentioned all the guys that are going to be there. I think last year was kind of a, hey, we have a very dense target distribution and guys who love to target tight ends. And and Gesicki likes that. But, you know, we've got. I think getting the ball to Antonio Gibson will be a priority this year. And I think that Logan Thomas at tight end nine, like he's likely to finish as tight end nine, which is fine if you want to just like get that safety blanket, but you can get tight end eight in like round 11 or 12 and, or, you know, guy who finishes one half a point behind Logan Thomas. Nobody wanted Logan Thomas last year, Mike. That's the thing. I, I I wrote, I wrote the streaming thing every week. And I think it was week 11. I've titled it. Just go get Logan Thomas. He was under 50% owned until like week 12. And now all of a sudden he's tied in nine, yeah. <laughs> you know, cause he finished strong. He finished very strong. You know, he finished the year last year. He got a ton of targets uh, down the stretch and um, hold on. I don't want to get those numbers right. And I think it's dry. I think it's pulling him up, but we've seen this already. We saw it with Logan, or not with Logan Thomas, with Tyler Higby in 2019. 
at the end of 2019, he got a ton of targets all of a sudden, and then people dragged him up their draft boards. Yep. So, yeah, after Antonio Gibson injured his toe, he averaged 10 targets a game for the last five games. So, um, yeah, it's just all of a sudden he he offered, he had all those targets. And then before that, he averaged five and a half targets per game. And he bounced around the league uh, 2018. He, he was a quarterback. <laughs> in Buffalo, and then 2019, he was in Detroit. And now Washington in 2020. He was in so, Arizona. He was in Arizona. Don't forget. So yeah, there you go. And it's he played quarterback as you mentioned, and it's yeah. And so he went from like basically just a scrub hanging on to catching 72 passes for and six touchdowns. Yeah, and uh, yeah. So it's just. I think Logan Thomas at nine is fine if you expect Logan Thomas to finish at tight end nine. I think that's the best way to put it. Um, but Logan Thomas is a guy that you didn't want at the end of, until the end of last year, and um, circumstances have changed. So I, I, just, I, I guess I just don't get it. Is what it is. So, um, okay. Anything else you want to say about Washington football team before we do sleeper, breakout, and bust? Uh, no, outside of I. You know, I, I do have some interest in, in Heineke and see what happens there. And the fact that Fitzpatrick has never really finished the season um, for the like the last five or six years tells me that he might not finish this season as the quarterback either. But uh, outside of that, it's yeah, I think we covered it pretty well. OK, so uh, I guess let's get this party started. Mike Sleeper, breakout and bust for the for the division. Uh, sleeper, I'm. Um, it's like how much of a sleeper is he really but uh ryan fitzpatrick okay i mean by uh, adp I'll, he qualifies yeah by adp um and then um bust will be kenny galladay okay and then sleeper bust and what am i missing here um breakout, breakout. uh breakout we're going to go with who should we go with for a breakout here? Uh, Tonio Gibson? I don't know if that's a breakout or not. Yeah, I mean, if he finished, I mean, he has a chance to finish in the top five, which would be a breakout for him. So, um, yeah, I mean, we didn't really talk about that. But, yeah, top five is in the range of possibilities for Antonio Gibson. But it's in the range of possibilities for a lot of guys. So I'll take I'll take Antonio Gibson. So you got um, Galladay as your bust, Gibson as your breakout. And um, who is your your sleeper? Uh, oh, Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick. Okay. So for me, I'm going to be sneaky. Because you might have forgotten we talked about this team in this episode. Because we talked about them three days ago. Oh, that's right. The Cowboys. I totally forgot about them. Tony Pollard breakout. I like it. Tony Pollard breakout. Um, I think he's, you know, he's a talented guy. He's as efficient or more efficient than Zeke, depending on what metrics you look at. So uh, breakout, I will go with Tony Pollard. Um, sleeper, I will go with Kenneth Gainwell. You know, we talked about him a little bit. He's a deeper sleeper. Um, I think a lot of what his value would be has to do with what the Eagles plan on doing with him. Mm-hmm. If the Eagles plan on making him a priority in the passing game, a la Tariq Cohen or a la Naheem Hines, then I can see that happening where he's a, he's a sleeper. So I'll go with Kenneth Gainwell. And my bust is Jalen Hurts. Um, should not be quarterback 10, should not be quarterback 10 off the board. So, yeah. um, all right, Mike, we did it. 
We did it. We we did it. We pulled off a classico. Just you and me. We yeah. still managed to make it. I think it's going to be about two and a half hours. Oh no, it's going to be <laughs> just just about two fifteen, uh, including the um, Michael Fabiano part. So. Um, yeah, we will be back next week in the Patreon feed with the NFC South um, preview. It'll be the last preview before we get into doing other stuff. So we're very excited about that. Um, so um, thanks for listening. Um, for Mike, this is Jeff. Take care and have a good one. Bye.